Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Suspected cocaine is found at the White House and is allegedly tied to Hunter Biden. We seem to have the protection uh, being laid out of the president and his family. New polling shows that most Americans agree with the Supreme Court's recent decisions. Such a good decision, so consistent with with what, what I think things are supposed to be in this great country. And Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen heads to China. The United States might have to accept some sort of economic costs by sort of de-risking from the China supply chain. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, July 5th. I'm Mike Scott. Over the holiday, reports surfaced that on Sunday, the White House had been temporarily closed due to the Secret Service finding white powder suspected to be cocaine inside of a work area in the West Wing. Audio surfaced showing that law enforcement believed the powder was cocaine right away. We have a yellow bar stating cocaine, hydrochloride. Reporter Evan Lambert says that an investigation is ongoing. And officials have pointed out that some tours go through the West Wing. The substance was found by Secret Service agents doing routine rounds on Sunday evening and was not said to be found in any particular office. How the substance got into the White House and who it belonged to are all under investigation by the Secret Service. In a statement, spokesman Anthony Guglielmi said, quote, on Sunday evening, the White House complex went into a precautionary closure as officers from the Secret Service Uniformed Division investigated an unknown item found inside a work area. The D.C. Fire Department was called to evaluate and quickly determined the item to be non-hazardous. The item was sent for further evaluation and an investigation into the cause and manner of how it entered the White House is pending. Now, President Biden was not at the White House on Sunday. He was at Camp David. He is back here this morning. He came back for several events this afternoon, including a barbecue for the 4th of July hosted by the president and the first lady for military families. Some suspect that the powdery substance, which is believed to be cocaine, may have belonged to Biden's son, Hunter. The younger Biden has a long history of drug use and has admitted to crack cocaine usage in the past. Plus, he was reportedly on White House grounds Friday before heading off to Camp David with his father for the second weekend in a row. Meanwhile, tours of the White House usually are only allowed to visit the East Wing and the residents. The public is not typically permitted to visit the West Wing, which is where the president, vice president, and other senior administration officials have their offices. 
This all comes on the heels of Hunter Biden pleading guilty to tax-related misdemeanors and a gun charge in a plea deal that has been labeled a sweetheart deal by many legal experts. The younger Biden was also recently deposed in a defamation lawsuit brought by the Delaware computer repair shop owner John Paul Mac Isaac, who came into possession of the privileged political scions now infamous laptop in 2019. Hunter Biden is also the focus of an ongoing investigation by House Republicans. Kimberly Strassel is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, and she joined the Salem Radio Network to weigh in on the alleged corruption continuing to surround the Biden family. Here's the big picture is I think that there are two big points that uh, have been made by this administration that we now have evidence that refute. One, which you were just mentioning, is the president's uh, steadfast claim that he knew nothing about his son's business. And we have more and more things piling up to suggest that that is simply not the case. The other is the Department of Justice's reassurance to everyone that U.S. Attorney David Weiss was looking fully at this issue um, and that his hands were untied. He was able to pursue this investigation anywhere it went. And these whistleblowers have provided truly damning testimony, testimony to suggest that, A, this investigation was not fully done because they were blocked at every single turn from looking at any avenue that might lead to Joe Biden. Um, and two, that supposedly higher ups within the Department of Justice did block David Weiss from bringing some of the more serious of the charges against Hunter Biden. Speaking about the IRS whistleblowers who've come forward, Strassel says they make a strong case. And one thing I think people need to understand, too, you read this testimony. These guys are straight up. They're nonpartisan. You can tell that these are serious people. They both worked at the IRS for more than a dozen years in senior roles in this elite squad. Um, and so they know what they're talking about. But they could, they explained that they, too, were not allowed to look at the laptop contents, which is remarkable. It, it was instead the, the entire laptop was done through a filter team via the FBI and the IRS was not given unfettered access to that. And then they provide all kinds of evidence uh, elsewhere of how they were blocked, um, including the inability for them to try to co-locate via phone information, whether or not Joe Biden was sitting next to Hunter when that WhatsApp message was sent, uh, blocked from searching a residence on the president's home where Hunter had stayed because of the optics. The Wall Street Journal columnist lays out how she believes Merrick Garland's Department of Justice has been politicized. This is the dishonesty of it all. It, it always is just remarkable to me. All the politicization that has happened at the Department of Justice happened under the Obama administration, where it got particularly bad. And then it was actually people in the Trump team that came in and tried to clean this place up. Uh, and, and now we've got the same crew back there. And it's just as though all they do is say that, you know, white is black and up is down. Um, you know, this is under the Merrick Garland Department of Justice. This is the Department of Justice that's gone after uh, families who were protesting things happening at schools, Catholics, uh, pro-lifers, as Josh Hawley was noting out. I mean, and let's be clear, why are we going after them? Not because they've done anything wrong, not because they're domestic terrorists, but because they fall on the wrong side of the political 
spectrum. Strasso goes on to point out that she believes Donald Trump's indictments are due to his being the Republican frontrunner for 2024. At the same time, we seem to have the protection uh, being laid out by career and maybe political appointees of the president and his family. And at the same time, let's also not forget the very first Department of Justice in history to ever indict a former president, you know, which is something who also happens to be the leading contender for the GOP nomination. This is something you see in other countries, not here. Um, and yet they stand and look at you with, a, you know, their hand up like Boy Scouts and say, no politicization here. Not at all. Speaking on the upcoming election, Strassel opined that Republicans have a good chance to take back the White House. You know, Joe Biden lived through the Jimmy Carter years. He was in the Senate when Jimmy Carter was president. He had all of the lessons of Jimmy Carter to know better than to do what he did, which has got us into the situation we are in now, whether it's in terms of energy or inflation or uh, our defense policy. um, You know, he knew better. And then it also reminds conservatives and free marketers what came after Jimmy Carter, uh, which was a generation of new Reagan voters because of a very charismatic man that was able to capitalize on the backlash of, against those progressive current policies, policies. Yeah. and making the argument that, you know, those out there who care need to be thinking and choosing very wisely in this Republican nomination to get somebody who can replicate that. The substance discovered in the White House will undergo further testing according to the Secret Service. Beijing, China is restricting exports of some high-tech metals in a slap at Washington, ahead of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's visit to Beijing this week. Daybreak Insider's Charles de la Desma has more on this story. Beijing has imposed export curbs on two metals used in computer chips and solar cells, expanding a squabble with Washington over high-tech trade ahead of the Yellen visit. The Commerce Ministry says the restrictions on gallium and germanium are intended to safeguard national security, adding exports will require official permission once the rules take effect on August 1, but didn't say which restrictions might be applied. I'm Charles Tullodesma. Last week, the Supreme Court ruled on a slew of cases that seemed to anger some Americans. If you took a gander at any social media platform, there were calls from Democrat voters to snub Fourth of July celebrations on Independence Day in the wake of the high court striking down affirmative action on college campuses. Biden's student loan forgiveness plan was also struck down, and there were calls to protest against strengthening the First Amendment. However, a new poll reveals that perhaps backlash against those decisions has been overblown. New polling suggests that a majority of Americans actually approve of the Supreme Court's ruling restricting the use of race as a factor in college admissions. A little more than half of Americans, 52% approve that decision, while only 32% disapprove. Interestingly, while a majority of Republicans approve with 75%, independents also approve of that decision at a whopping 58%. 
The same poll also shows that 45% of Americans support the court's decision to strike down President Biden's student loan forgiveness scheme. While 40% disapprove of that decision, only 15% say they're unsure. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio joined the Salem Radio Network discussing the recent Supreme Court rulings and says the court's decision on affirmative action was the right call. This is just common sense. Like, this is truly what Dr. King said, content of their character, not the color of people's skin. That's, that's, that's how it, it's, our system works. It's about merit. It's about, that is, it was such a good decision, so consistent with, with what, what I think things are supposed to be in this great country. I don't get what the left is, is, is opposed to here, but, but you're right. This is, again, the crazy left in, in their position. But you think about, think about what President Trump did by putting conservatives on the court. Look at the decisions we've got now in the last year. We got the pro-life Dobbs decision. We got the West Virginia EPA decision, which was great when it comes to, to environmental and, and, and regulatory reform. We got this affirmative action decision, which is, again, is, is consistent with what Dr. King had, consistent with what this country is all about. Jordan credits former President Trump for making the court the most pro-Constitution court in decades. We get the decision on on religious liberty, and we get the decision on the student loan. It says you can't just make it up on on your own here, Joe Biden. You get that that anything like that would have to go through Congress. And so, five huge decisions because the American people put a conservative in the White House who did what he said he was going to do, and put three three conservatives on the United States Supreme Court. That is that is what, what when you step back and look at why elections matter so much. We've got five huge decisions by the court that are consistent with our Constitution, consistent with the rule of law that happened because the American people put President Trump in the White House. The Ohio congressman weighs in on the court's ruling on student loans and says that President Biden did try to bypass Congress. It should be equal treatment. Uh, You can't just you can't just pick your favorite political uh, objective here and say, oh, we're going to we're going to use taxpayer money to pay for that and not 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 for for the person as as you said who took out a loan and and started a small business is probably kicking butt because of but he still has to pay back the seventy five thousand dollars i mean he signed on the contract it's like that's what he has to do but old joe biden says no no if you go to these schools that are teaching the stuff that we started talking about the stuff that says you don't america is not a great place and all that baloney uh we're going to pay your student loan but if you go create a business, hire people, and go out and provide a service to the American people, oh, oh you're going you're you're to be on your own. You're going to have to pay back your loan there. Makes no sense, and it's why the American people said this is ridiculous. And thank goodness it's why the Supreme Court said you can't do it that way, Mr. Biden. The way our Constitution works is you want to do something like that, it's got to go through the Congress, got to go through the legislative branch before you sign on to it and do it, uh, which, which obviously he didn't do in this, in this situation. Well, addressing Biden's promise to continue to fight for student debt relief, Jordan says that whatever the White House comes up with, he's confident it will be struck down. Joe Biden thinks he's going to do it on his own and not run it through Congress. Uh, so he can try that again. I, I still think that's a, a, a big leap. You, you, something, some the act that was passed, what, 60 years ago, for goodness sake. I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll have to do some research on it. I hadn't heard that, but I think it probably has many of the same problems that he tried with, with the, using the HEROES Act. Mm-hmm. and not running it through the, the, uh, the, the House of Representatives in the United States Senate, not running it through the legislative branch. So we'll see. But there'll be a fight on that for sure. Um, and if we got to go back to court, we go back to court. I think he's doing this, obviously, because um, I think it's all about politics and, and, and trying to turn, turn people out to vote for Democrats uh, in, in the election next year. 
Jordan takes a moment to reflect on the importance of the ruling regarding the First Amendment. The first right in the First Amendment is your ability to practice your faith the way you think the good Lord wants you to. I argue this is why people came here in the first place. In Europe, they said, you got to practice your faith, you got to do your religion this way. And they said, no, we don't. And we're willing to get on the ship, risk it all, sail across this big ocean, and go to this place called America, where we can do it the way we think the good Lord wants us to. And our founders understood that so, so fundamentally that that was the first right they put in the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. So that's what this decision was about. And again, God bless the, 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 the six people in the United States Supreme Court who saw it in that simple, plain way that the founders understood that right to be, uh, to be able to be exercised by the American people. It is so consistent with with the Constitution. And then for the left to say the, the crazy thing, it just doesn't make sense. Despite the court ruling against Biden's debt forgiveness plan, the president told the American people on Friday he's not giving up on providing relief to student debt borrowers and pursuing some debt forgiveness through the Higher Education Act. New polling is showing that Democrats are facing the possible loss of several Senate seats next year. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew is in Washington, and he's taking a look at the critical races ahead of 2024. Republicans hoping to regain the majority have their sights set on five vulnerable Democrat-held seats up for re-election in red-leaning states. Two of them feature independent-leaning senators who caucus with the Democrats but sometimes cross party lines. The now independent Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Neither have made their re-election plans clear. The other likely GOP flips are John Tester in Montana, Sherrod Brown in Ohio, and Tammy Baldwin in Wisconsin. Bob Agner reporting. This week, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is headed to Beijing, China, in order to smooth out the rocky relationship between the two countries. We really welcome and want to um, have a healthy economic relationship, and we think it's generally beneficial. Uh, We have disagreements. Um, My hope in traveling to China is to reestablish contact. There are a new group of leaders. We need to get to know one another. Yellen's visit comes on the heels of Secretary of State Antony Blinken's visit, which, according to reports, didn't go so well. However, with this visit... Some experts are saying that China should be the ones looking to strike a bargain. China currently holds a much weaker economic hand than in the past. Instead of enjoying a robust recovery after the end of their COVID-0 policies last December, the Chinese economy now seems stuck in neutral. Manufacturing activity declined both in April and May, while exports which sustained the Chinese economy through the pandemic, also fell in May. Bloomberg's Stephen Engel says the visit is an important one for the United States. 
Well, now we have a date, obviously, from 6th to the 9th, so later this week and perhaps over the weekend. So we'll have all the news and wrap on Monday to get the perspective on Janet Yellen. It's important because this is the second major uh, secretary from the Biden administration. We had Anthony Blinken go three weeks ago uh, to Beijing, and now we have Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary. And no matter what they talk about, it is positive that the two sides are at least showing a willingness, uh, acceptance to sit down and have out their differences and boy are the differences mounting obviously engel theorizes what yellen will discuss during her trip to beijing and it was janet yellen who has been talking a lot about de-risking uh, from the china supply chain she's talked about friend shoring and moving some supply chain uh, you know resilience to other nations including uh, japan in fact in april janet yellen had a quite a sharply worded speech where she did again reaffirm that they are not trying to decouple uh, from China, but did admit that the United States might have to accept some sort of economic costs uh, by sort of de-risking uh, from the China you know, supply chain. So again, this will be a critical meeting as well uh, because she's going to be meeting the new leadership team. The reason for China's stagnant economy is well known to experts citing that the real estate sector is in the middle of a major implosion. In June, home sales fell 28% from a year earlier. As if we need yet another social media platform, Meta is set to take a swing at Twitter with a new app. We get more on this from our Daybreak insider Jennifer King. Meta, the company behind Facebook, is poised to offer Threads, billed as a new text-based conversation app that appears to mimic the social media platform Twitter. A listing has appeared on Apple's App Store. Threads is linked to Instagram, and users will be able to keep their usernames and follow the same accounts. Social media consultant Matt Navarra says it's good timing, as Twitter, now owned by Elon Musk, has faced backlash over recent changes, including charging for the verified accounts required to use the online dashboard TweetDeck, and new daily limits on the number of tweets people can view. Would be Twitter challengers like Mastodon have found it difficult to get users to sign up, and Meta itself faces skepticism about its data privacy track record. I'm Jennifer King. The common wisdom go west, young man, may not be so wise anymore. Those looking to start a career may want to look south. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on this developing story. Austin, Texas tops the list in a new study of best cities to start a career. According to Bankrate, it's the top metro area for new graduates looking for a job. It also found that Gen Z puts a higher priority on finding flexible work and an employer with the same values. Seattle came in second place, followed by Salt Lake City, Raleigh, and Nashville. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally, the annual Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest was nearly canceled on Independence Day due to severe weather. However, the rain and lightning didn't last long, and Joey Chestnut once again reigns supreme, crowned champion of eating hot dogs, downing 60 Frankfurters in 10 minutes to walk away with the championship belt. Barry looks like he's got fourth. Here's the count. Two, one, put down your hot dog! 
with 62 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win. I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut! Over on the women's side, Mickey Sudo took home the title for the ninth time in as many years. She ate 39 and a half hot dogs. For a time, she was neck and neck with her rival Mayo Ebahara, but Sudo was able to walk away a champion. One of these eaters had 39 and one half, and the other had 33 and one half. But there can only be one winner. And today, the Nathan's Famous Champion is... Mickey Sudo! Both Chestnut, 39, and Sudo, 37, say they intend to return and defend their titles in 2024. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.